All right, I'm going to try and get into this sermon today. Um, We've been on a series these last couple of weeks entitled Soul Sessions. Soul Sessions. And literally what we've been talking about is the, the part of our makeup as beings, as children of God, that consists of the soul. And the soul is really the mind. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 puts it this way. It says, Beloved, and this is God's heart for you and I, ladies and gentlemen. This is, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is this, that God wants you to prosper in all things. But it starts in the soul. It starts in the mind. The soul is, the most, uh, is most commonly referred to in the Bible as the inner part of the man. Literally speaking, just to kind of just cut to the chase, it's the mind. It's where our mind, our will, our emotions operate. It's where our desires, it's where our passions are seated. And so what we do in the mind, ladies and gentlemen, is very, very important. It's extremely important. Let me put it to you this way. It is most important what happens in this mind, especially in relation to what we receive from God and his word. I want you to think of it this way. Your mind is the portal. It's the gateway through which you can receive and access everything that God has already done in your life. Every promise from God, every aspect of the word of God, every, every, anything and everything that you could ever expect from God. If you can't, if your mind is not renewed to the word of God and you can't receive it and understand it in your mind, you won't receive it in your heart. And if you don't receive it in your heart, you can't believe it. And if you can't believe it, you can't receive it. And so this mind is crucially important. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 puts it this way. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If we could just break that scripture down this way, and we're just recapping from the, over the last couple of weeks, uh, our prosperity in life is directly tied to what we do with God's word in our soul. Listen closely. All the time. All the time. What's happening in this mind all the time determines what, where we go with this walk with Christ, how we prosper in life. In matters of health, in matters of prospering in your career, in your education, in your workplace, in your relationships, in getting over your past, in getting over your hangups, in healing. If your mind is not renewed, if our mind is not transformed, if there is not a renovation process that happens in this mind, then ladies and gentlemen, we can expect nothing new. While being the new creation that you are, you will live as the old one that you were. Listen closely. This is key. This is key. This mind has to be transformed. And so it's interesting, but in Joshua 1.8, what we find is, that up until this point in this verse, the people of Israel had failed to enter the land of promise. As a matter of fact, when God described this land of promise that he was taking them from, after taking them out of Egypt, he said to them that it would be a, a land that flowed with milk 
and honey. In other words, it was a land of abundance. It was a good land. It was their own land. The book of Deuteronomy goes on to put it this way. Uh, Moses uh, prophesying by, by revelation of the Lord. He says that you will inhabit lands that you did not, that you yourself did not conquer. Cities that you did not build. In other words, he says to them, you'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country. Your enemies will not be able to prevail to you. This is God's desire for his people. But in Joshua 1.8, up until this point, what we find is that the people of Israel haven't moved. Moses is dead. If you read Joshua 1, you'll see that God tells him, my servant Moses is dead. Get up, round the people up, and get moving. That season is over. It's time to move forward. But what's interesting is that uh, up until this point, they hadn't moved, and prior to this point, it was only supposed to take them 11 days to get to this promised land. 11 little days. And it took them 40 years. And do you know why it took them 40 years? Because of what was occurring in their soul. While being blessed, they complained about, we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're tired of this manner. We don't want quail anymore. We want this, we want that. In their mind, they were completely vexed. There was an old pattern of thinking. You'll find in Scripture time and time again that the people of Israel said, man, it was better when we were in Egypt. Here's the crazy thing about it. They were slaves in Egypt. They were abused and oppressed in Egypt. They had no freedoms. And the Bible says that they cried out to God, and yet somehow they find themselves in, in the blessing of God. He's leading them by a pillar of fire by night and in a by a cloud by day. He's covering them from the sun. He's providing for them, and yet they did not get it. They kept going around in circles and circles and circles. Listen, not just literally in circles for, for 40 years because they did that but they went around in circles in their mind now lest we judge the people of Israel if we could be honest we've all been there and if you could be honest with yourself maybe just maybe for some of us you're there now where you're wanting this change, this promise, this goodness that God has provided for you and for I and for us as people and for all mankind. And yet somehow you find yourself going around in circles and in circles and in circles. And maybe you're just questioning and wondering, why isn't this working for me? Why is my life not changing the way that I see the word of God says? Why am, not, why am I not experiencing what he or she or they or him or her? Why am I not experiencing that? Why isn't it happening for me? Let me give you a piece of truth today, ladies and gentlemen. This mind is pivotal to the change that you are promised. If you're taking notes today, here's today's big idea. It's a simple point. But it's so simple that you could miss it just like the people of Israel and find yourself going around in circles if you don't meditate upon the Word of God. If you don't consider 
what you are receiving even right now from the Word of God. When you change your thinking, you'll change your life. Listen, when you change your thinking, you'll change your life. But wait, I thought it was God who changes my mind, who changes my thinking. No, God gives you the information necessary for that change. But, then, but the renovation process of the change of the life that God is giving you is your responsibility to undertake as a tool to build what God has predestined you for. If you look at Joshua 1.8, you'll, you'll, if you'll remember what it says, it says this, that then you will make your way prosperous and then you, you, you will have, you will make a, a way for yourself to have good success. It's our responsibility. In other words, if you're to reach your land of promise and change, it starts with the renewing of the mind according to God's word. If you're going to experience that change and that promise, this mind has to change according to God's word. Amen? Absolutely. Amen. That was weak, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? Absolutely. Amen. I hope you believe that. I hope you receive that today. I remember when my wife and I first got married, um, I wish I could tell you that I was always this person, and, and to this day I'm still not always that person, but I wish I could tell you back then that I was this guy that just believed the word and stood on the word and I was established and I was firm. I wasn't. I had a peanut-sized faith. What I didn't know was that it was that faith alone that was enough to start this process. And so when I heard a promise from God, I was the guy in church that said, Amen! But inside, I said, Oh, me. Can it be? Is it true for me? I struggled. Listen, my wife and I, with the kids, we lived in a studio apartment when we got married. Studio apartment on 194th Street in Marion Avenue. Some of you, that means jack to you. It, that's probably a good thing. But let me just describe to you 194th and Marion Avenue in the Bronx, right off of Fordham Road. There was drugs everywhere. Drug dealers everywhere. Shootings all the time. It was toe up from the flow up. It was bad. And in my mind, I believed that's all that was possible for us. I believed that that was our lot in life. We'll just mosey on by in life and make it somehow and hope and pray that one day the Lord will just provide and deliver us and help us. It was in those moments in my life where I didn't even have the guts to turn to God because my past plagued me so much. My hang-ups shouted at me so, so loudly. The possibilities in my mind for failure were so vivid that I just couldn't believe that this word was for me. And what we see here in Joshua 1.8 is this, that when God calls Joshua to get up 
and lead the people and take the promised land, he tells them how. He says to them, meditate on this word day and night. Meditate on this word day and night. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, a very familiar passage of Scripture, puts it this way. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul writes to the Romans here, a people that were unfamiliar with the revelation of God's grace. All they knew was this. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Romans, some of us are from some other nationality, and all we know is that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is risen. But they lacked instruction. As a matter of fact, Bible history tells us that there was no apostle that made it to the Romans. Not one of them. There were people that they sent that made it to them eventually. And it's theorized that one of the, uh, a, a woman named Chloe is the one that uh, delivered this letter that Paul wrote to the Romans that we read today. And so uh, these people were unfamiliar with what it was to actually understand the freedom that was theirs in Christ. And Paul hits the nail on the head with them. He says to them, yes, present your body, present your life a living sacrifice. Do what's right in the sight of God. Yes, seek after God. But then in verse 2, he clarifies to them and to us how. Don't miss this, ladies and gentlemen. I know some of you, you've grown up in church, you've been in church. But it, the truth is this, that if you truly understood this, you still wouldn't be going around some of the circles that you and I do. Paul says this in verse 2. He says, don't be conformed. Don't fall into the same mold. He says, be transformed. And everybody gets excited about that point. Transform. Yes, transformation. That's what I want. I want that metamorphosis the Bible's talking about. I want to be a completely new species. Yes, that's what I want. But we miss by the renewing of our mind. That word renewing there speaks of, com of a complete renovation, a complete change for the better. I remember... Uh, couple of weeks back, maybe about a month, month and a half now, uh, my wife one day says to me, honey, I want to change the kitchen. And I said, okay, what does that mean? She says, can we just do a backsplash, just something different, take that one down and change it? I said, all right, well, you know what, let's go to Lowe's. And we went to Lowe's, and we walk in Lowe's, and we're looking at backsplash tiles. And as we're looking at backsplash tiles, all of a sudden, she begins to notice floor tile. <laughs> right? And as she's noticing the floor tile, then she begins to notice that we need paint to match what's going to be done. Right? And then after that, she begins to look at countertops. 
and different styles. My point is simply this. My wife is wise and we as believers should be wise to this extent. That if we're to truly experience the change, the transformation that's promised to you and I from the word of God, then we have to understand this, that everything has to change. And everything has to change here. In this mind. This mind has to undergo a complete renovation process. Completely. Out with the old, in with the new. You know why? Because if you mix the old and the new, what you'll have is confusion. What you'll experience is failure. What you'll undergo is frustration. Why? Because this new has nothing to do with the old. Jesus put it this way. He says, you can't put old wine into new wineskins. Because the moment you do, those new wineskins will burst. You can't do it. The old and the new have nothing in common. So why, 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 why do we still adopt old mindsets? Old belief. Old remembrances, old experiences. Why do we go there? Let me suggest something to you. It's because you really don't understand what the new is yet. This mind has to undergo a complete renovation process. Some of us, we might feel like we have a long way to go because this, transform this transformative change that the Bible says seems impossible, even foreign to us. But that's because we have yet to understand what's ours in Christ. I want to encourage you with a thought for these next couple of moments. I want to give you a couple of things to think about. But I want to start encouraging you by simply saying this to you. You have everything you need right now to experience this change. You have everything you need right now. You don't believe me? Let me take you to the Word to show you that that's not my opinion. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 19 through 12, and then we're also going to look at verse 16, says this. It says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? Whoa, stop right there. What spirit is he talking about? He's talking about the new man in you. Listen closely. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Listen closely to verse 12. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Amen. Notice this. It's not what God is going to give you. It's what God has already given you. Verse 16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And let me tell you why you have everything you need to change right now. Watch what it says. But we have the mind of Christ. 
We have the mind of Christ. You have, listen, ladies and gentlemen, you have the complete potential, the power, the authority, the equipment, the tools necessary to transform your life. It's within your grasp. You have the faculty, the, the mindset, you have it. You have it. This, renew, this, this renewal of the mind is possible. You can renovate. You can change it all. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to lack. You don't have to settle for sickness. You don't have to settle for your, 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 your family's uh, uh, past uh, upbringing and the generations of what they've experienced. You don't have to settle for any. You don't have to settle for second best. You can live a, transforma a transformative life right now. The new creation that you are, you can experience it. It's yours. You can have it. The question is, do you want it? And here's more importantly, will you believe that, you, that it's already yours? You have the mind of Christ. You have it. Within you has been deposited everything that God has prepared specifically for you. And the key to unleashing it is not simply changing your thinking. Listen closely. I'm not talking some Tim Robbins junk here. Tim Robbins is making billions off of the word. And you know what's sad? That even Christians today will follow after Tim Robbins because they, they'd rather secondhand information than a personal experience with the Word of God. I hope Tim Robbins hears this. 845-522-8046 is our number. Give me a call. It entails you and I tapping into the mind of Christ within us. In Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 we see an encounter that Jesus has with a man. It starts in verse 12 by saying that it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and he implored him. He begged him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I want you to notice something that this man didn't come with a request. He came with a question. If you really read what he's saying, here's what he's asking. Are you willing to make me well? Is it your will? Literally what he's saying there when he says, are you willing? He's saying, do you have the intention? Are you of the mindset? Are you resolved? Do you desire? Do you will to heal me? That's what he's asking. He says, you can make me clean, Lord, if you are willing. Jesus answers this question in verse 13. It says, then he put out his hand and he touched him. You know what I love about that? That according to the times and the, 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 the disease that this man had raging in his body, if you touched anyone that had leprosy, it's contagious. And Jesus' answer, before he even speaks a word, is to reach out and touch him. And watch what he says. 
He says, I am willing. Listen to what he's saying. It is my intention. It is my mindset. It is my resolve. It is my desire. And I will that you be clean. He says, I'm willing. He says, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. It wasn't until this man knew what Christ's will was that he was able to receive what Christ wanted to make possible. That is so true for you and I, ladies and gentlemen. In the same way, when we know what the mind of Christ is, what God's will is, when you understand that, when you believe that, then what begins to happen is this. It's no longer your old mind at work. It's the new mind, the mind of Christ at work in you. And then, and only then, can we receive deliverance, freedom. Then and only then can we prosper in all things. It is not enough to play church. Please don't take that personally. I'm not saying anybody here is playing church. But it's not enough simply to come and go. To just do some Christian activities. No, ladies and gentlemen, we must undergo a renovation process in this mind and God holds you and I responsible. I'm going to say that again. God holds you and I responsible for that renovation. No one will be able to go to God and say, God, you didn't do this for me. What, Christ wasn't enough? The mind of Christ wasn't enough? Every spiritual blessing that I've placed in you wasn't enough? Everything that I've given you that pertains to life and godliness according to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his promises wasn't enough? We are responsible for this. We must erect this transformation that God has given you and I. Hmm. I know this is challenging. I know this is counterintuitive to what your intuition is, to what you know. I know that this, this, this challenges you, that it seems hard. Can I, can I encourage you with this? Anything that's good in life is worth it. How good is the promises of God to your life? When will you stop settling for the past at the expense of what God has already done in you? We got to take this seriously. Listen, be mindful of your thoughts. They determine the highs and lows of life. They determine the highs and lows of life. Oftentimes, we spend our daily lives thinking on the facts of life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have, have ever gotten up in the morning and your, your day just comes rushing at you? You're thinking about, I've got these meetings, I've got to call these people, I've got to get the kids over here, I've got to go to church, I've got to run these errands, I've got to make all this happen, I've got all these things going on. Let me ask you a question. How does that make you feel in the morning? How does that make you feel? When you're on your way to work, and you're not even in the office, and you're already working mentally, it weighs you and I down. It pulls you down. Now, let me ask you a question. Who's holding on to that? 
oh, I just wish my life was simpler. Well, simplify it. Simplify it. We hold on to these things that drag us down. Our minds are racing. And what we, if, if anything, if we, instead of resting in Christ, what we do is we worry in weight. And I'm not talking about weight as in waiting. I'm talking about the weight of those things. Listen, yes, it's true. I've got these bills to pay. Please don't say, well, I'm just going to take the mind of Christ. I'm not going to focus on that. No, no. You pay those bills. You do what you got to do. But your mind and mine must be defined by what the truth is of God's word. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are uh, noble, that means honorable or of good character, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are loved, are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's a function of the mind. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself this question in the midst of the weight of things in life? Those things that weigh down that we grab onto? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself this question? What's the truth here? When you get bad news, have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what's good in the midst of this? Have you ever stopped in the midst of the most trying circumstance in your life? The loss of a loved one, tragedy, to ask yourself, what's lovely? What's pure in the midst of this? What's of good report here? What's, what's virtuous in this? What's just? What's right? See, we have a tendency with these minds to go to places that this mind does not belong. You are a new creation. That requires new thinking. I get it. The doctor gives you a report. And these are the facts on paper. Oh, but Pastor Jose, you know the experts say, well, the experts can be wrong. Let me tell you something. Truth trumps facts. Truth trumps facts. What does God's word reveal? What does it reveal? Where your mind goes is where your life will go. Romans 8.11 puts it this way. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's the mind that's in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. I want you to listen closely to what the Bible is saying here. I want you to consider this. That this same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the one in you. But watch this. It's the one that also gives life to this body. True life. I love the way the, the, the King James Version puts it. It says that it quickeneth our bodies. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about a work, a complete work. 
that rejuvenates, that revives, that restores, that renews this body, that makes the change that the Word of God promises possible. The question is, will we align our minds with the mind of Christ? It's our responsibility. Tear down the strongholds. Oh, I've heard this before. I know you've heard it. My question is, do you understand it? Do you understand it? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You know that word strongholds there gives us the picture of an enemy that has barricaded himself and refuses to give up his position. Now, I want you to consider what the Word of God is saying here. That in our minds, let me just read the rest of it and then I'll, I'll dig into this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God is literally telling us that there are thoughts that, have, that we have allowed in our mind that have cemented themselves and have barricaded themselves against the truth of God's Word. The question is this, that stronghold is only, the, the point is this, that stronghold is only as strong as you empower it. And since we built the stronghold, it's our job to tear it down. We have to tear it down. Self-defeating and condemning thoughts. Tearing yourself down. Tearing down the image of God in you. That's anything that you agree with in your mind that belittles the truth that God says about you. The Bible says that he fearfully and he wonderfully made you he uniquely and intricately made you he put you he, he created you in such a way that reflects his own image and yet sometimes we'll we'll we'll, we'll put labels on our own image on the image of God in us we'll say I can't I'm weak I'm a failure I'm a loser things are too hard for me I'm not able I'm not capable I don't know enough. I'm not mature in these things. I don't understand the word of God. Hey, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're building strongholds. You're building strongholds. Self-defeating and condemning thoughts. Thoughts driven by self-centeredness where it's all about me, me, me. Compulsive negative thinking, anger, reliving hurts, pessimism. Religious mindsets that contradict God's word and restrict us from freedom in Christ. Listen, just because you heard it in a place that's referred to as a church doesn't mean that it's true. We got to go to the word. Addictive mindsets. The false satisfaction that attachments to people or things promise. All these things are strongholds. But here's what they're founded on. 
lies. 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 Verse 5 says that they're things that every high thing, they are things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. They're lies. They're lies that we lift up, that we erect, that we esteem, that we hold high in our thoughts. Tear them down. Tear it down. Do whatever you got to do to tear it down. Tear it down. Start asking questions in relation to the Word of God and what you see in your mind, what you've built. If you're struggling in an area of your life, ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see the lies. Because when you see the lie, you have the, the ammunition to begin to know where you begin to, dem to demolish what once you built up. Think of it this way. Before you can renovate anything, you first have to do some demo work. Demolish those lies. And then lastly, stir up what is in you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 7. Paul writing to Timothy, if you read the book of 1 and 2 Timothy, what you'll see is this, that Paul's doing a lot of correction. He's doing a lot of instruction. He's doing a lot of encouragement. He's doing a lot of reminding. He's doing a lot of redirecting Timothy. Why? Because Timothy faced some struggles. Timothy was young. And Timothy held a very important position in the Macedonian region. He was leading the largest church in that area, in, in the world at that time. And I can tell you from experience, <laughs> it's not easy leading people. It's not easy pointing people to truth always. Those things hurt. When families struggle, when people buy lies, man, that hurts. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, he says to him, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I'm and I'm persuaded is in you also. He says, therefore, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What Paul's literally saying there is this, by my help and my assistance. That's what he's saying when he says, by the laying on of my hands. In verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That word sound mind there speaks of something, of self-control. It means calling something to soundness. So what Paul is saying to Timothy is this. Hey, Timothy, you received something great. You receive something so special in you. You have believed in the love of God. You have received and been empowered by His Spirit. 
And he says to him, and you have the mind to control yourself. But watch what he says to him in verse 6 in relation to all that. He says to him, Timothy, I remind you, stir it up. Pull it out. Cause that to rise to the surface of your life. Hey, God has done a great work in you. The question is, will you bring it to the surface? God has called us to a new life. But the renovation process is ours to undertake.